Awesome. So we are also guys doing a um, podcast recording now so that you guys can go back and listen on the podcast. It'll be very clear. I already tested it. So praise God for that. So um, again, no obligation to give, but remember um, Bible studies are for the purpose of seeing Jesus to come and see Jesus. Every Bible study, every service, everything we do is going to be for the sole purpose of seeing Jesus. Um, we are not a, a psychological clinic, right? That helps uh, uh, which this, people struggling with mental issues, but we help in a different way where we show people Jesus and he transforms them from a, a psychological condition to wholeness, right? That is literally what we are here for. And so we want to build um, churches uh, 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 in Greek, it's ecclesia or in Spanish, it's iglesia, right? Uh, for some of you who know Spanish, um, it's literally this 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 gathering of people where Jesus is made the center, right? And so we're going to make Jesus the center. It's not about me. It's not about me using fancy words or someone else coming up here using fancy words, putting together fancy sermons. What we're trying to do is put together a study that will at the end where you can clearly see Jesus as the hope, as the anchor, as the life source, right? It's not about trying more. It's not about trying more. It's, it's if you have a relationship and all you do is demand from each other a certain way of being. I want you to be more like this. I want you to be more like this. You're the law. You're the law to your relate. You're the law in your relationship. I need you to be like this. I need you to be like that, right? And there's this demand that comes. You become law in the same way that we respond in law to God. We respond in law to one another. That means we become rebellious. We become. We get a sour attitude when things become legalistic in our friendships, in our relationships. When when people impose how we should be and continuously do so. So this is why grace affects everything we do. Because if you can see Jesus, the overflow of understanding your love and his grace toward you will overflow into your relationships. So here is the blessing. Here is the power of right believing. So this week, we're actually going to have um, three Bible studies. Okay, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. I took Thursday off from work so I can teach a Bible study on Thursday. Um, in the night, though, specifically in the night. Um, Tuesdays at Amy's house, Fridays at Starbucks in La Mesa, and then I will we'll send out a text with the determined location on Wednesday for Thursday. So for whoever wants to make it Thursday, but just know there's a Bible study Thursday. Um, it'll be recorded live on Tuesday here because we're able to do so here. Um, so um, it'll be on podcast, Facebook Live. We really want to push these out there for people to hear the word, to hear the message. Not as, not as an excuse not to show up, but as an opportunity for people to be transformed hearing the gospel, right? Amen? Okay. And so let's get into our lesson today, the, the power of right believing. Um, let's get into uh, our lesson of the power of right believing. And um, starting a very basic scripture, um, Romans 1.16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, so people were trying to make him ashamed. This this is a man named Paul writing this. Okay, he's uh, the, the one of the chief apostles uh, who helped initiate and who wrote one third of the New Testament. He wrote a lot of scriptures, a lot of passages, a lot of books, and he's saying, "I am not ashamed of the gospel." People were trying to make him ashamed of the gospel that he was preaching. But what was he preaching that 
that they were trying to make him ashamed of. For it is the power of God unto salvation to everyone that believeth, to everyone. There's not an exemption. The gospel is the power of God to salvation. This is going to become very key in our life. If you want to memorize any scripture, memorize this one. Um, first to the Jew, the Jew first and then to the Greek. For therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just shall live by faith. And I want to point out a few things. First of all, we need to find out what the gospel means, right? What does that mean? Because in, in Greek, it just means good news. That means it's, it's telling us there's good news about something. What's this good news that we need to hear, right? Because this good news is the power, which is the Greek word dunamis, which means like it's where we get the word dynamite from. It's the explosive power of God. The gospel is this good news that we're, we're, we're trying to find out what it is, right? Is the explosive power of God unto salvation. Salvation is the Greek word soteria, okay? Which if, if Jesus, Jesus' name means the Lord saves, okay? Yeshua in Hebrew. But if it's not translated into a name, so Yeshua in Hebrew is translated as a name into Isu, which is Jesus in Greek. But as a as a word to describe something, it's translated to soteria. Okay, that, that means soteria here. We need to know what salvation is then, because it's the power of God unto salvation. Okay, now check this out. Check out what this word means. Salvation actually means health, safety, deliverance both physical and eternal salvation. So salvation, deliverance from, from a situation that would cause you harm. Deliverance from what? Safety, protection, right? A, a state of well-being that I'm good. Not just from a deliverance from hell, but also a deliverance from your physical situations, the battles that you're having in your life. It is also deliverance to that. So this gospel, right? is the power, is the dynamite power of God that will help you out of circumstances as well as deliver you from hell. Okay? So this good, we need to know what this good news is. I need to know what it is that's going to somehow deliver me from, if I'm in physical danger, that somehow I will be protected. Right? What is this good news? And we'll find out what it is. The gospel is the power of God to save to deliver, to heal, to restore, to protect. The gospel is the power of God to do all of that. So the more we hear the gospel, the better off we become. The more of the gospel that we hear, the better off we become, right? And Romans 1.17 says, for therein, through this gospel, okay, through this gospel, for therein, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written, the just shall live by faith. So through the gospel, through the gospel, God's righteousness is revealed, not the sinfulness of man. This gospel is not to reveal the sinfulness of man. We're not here to expose the sinfulness of man. We're here to expose the righteousness of God, the free gift of the righteousness of God to humanity that imparts righteousness to people, right? God imparts righteousness to us. That means it's a gift. That means I'm not righteous on my own. God is giving me righteousness. So this is the revelation of the gospel, is that God is giving righteousness. It's a revelation of his righteousness given to man as a free gift. 
That means I don't have to depend on myself to be righteous, that whatever God has given me is enough, and I'm righteous because he has stated so as me believing in him. Okay, So it's not the sinfulness of man. The sinfulness of man is exposed by the law. This is why the law came through Moses. The law exposes the sinfulness of man. Grace exposes the righteousness of God. Okay? This is why we preach the gospel of grace. Okay? Now, this is why we preach grace over anything. This is why you come here, you're going to hear grace, because grace is where sin has no dominion over you. Law is where faith is made void. Law is where the strength of sin is the law. So if we preach legalism and law, it strengthens the power of sin. So guess what this means? That if we are demanding from each other in our relationships, if we're so demanding and having all these expectations and standards, and I'm not saying not to have none at all, but I'm saying how you do it, if it's constant legalism, thou shall not move that pot from over here to over there, right? Thou shall not do this. Thou shalt not do that. Then we become a strength of sin in that other person's life. We become a strength of sin. And we have to be careful because here's the thing. And if you're struggling with that, there's no condemnation. Here's the point. Get more grace. Understand and be humble enough to say, you know what? I need more grace so that I can talk more graceful. So that I can speak more graceful. So that I'm not a law, a voice of law in people's lives. Right? A voice of demand. I'm a voice that supplies. No, can I help you with that? Is If you want something done a certain way, say, can I help you and show you how I would like it done? Versus saying, this is how you need to do it. Bye. Right? But <laughs> fix it or it's done. It's We need to be a voice of supply, a voice of grace. Grace supplies. So what is the gospel then, right? What is this that's going to make me this like, this... You know, Jesus person, right? What 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 is the thing that's gonna change me? What's the gospel? It's the good news. Well, Angel, what's the gospel keep? Come on, figure it out. So here, I'm gonna read from Acts 13:4. So technically the gospel from a technical standpoint is the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. But what does that mean to us? What does that mean to you? Jesus died, buried, resurrected. Why? Why did he do that? That is the gospel. The good news is that Jesus died, buried, resurrected. But for what reason? So we're going to find out the reason in Acts 13. So here's, but when they departed from Perga, they came to Antioch in Sidaea and went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and sat down. And after the reading of the law, so they read the law. Okay, They were in the synagogue reading the law. And the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue, sent unto them, saying, Ye men and brethren, if ye have any word of exhortation for the people, say on. So they were teaching the law of Moses, right, in the synagogue, the Jews of that time. They were, they were teaching the law of Moses. And then they said, does anyone have anything to say? Go ahead and say on. So guess who starts talking? Our dear, beloved friend, the Apostle Paul. Okay. This is what he says. Men and brethren, children of the stock of Abraham, and whosoever among you feareth God. So here he acknowledges two people. He acknowledges that there's children of Abraham, that means Israelites, okay, Jews. Then he says, whosoever among you feareth God. That means everyone else. There's other people there that just feared God that were probably not Jews, okay? 
And we're going to show that there's more proof of that soon. To you is the word of salvation sent. So to you is the word of soteria sent. So he's saying, he's coming to them and saying to you guys, all of you in this room, is the word soteria sent. Wellness, wholeness, safety, deliverance from hell, deliverance from physical circumstances, from the dangers of this life, right? This word of salvation is sent to you. So this is what he's saying, right? But this is the sermon that he preached. Be it known unto you, therefore, men and brethren, that through this man, this man Jesus, is preached. So this is what he's preaching. Is preached. Is yelled out to you. Is spoken to you. Unto you, the forgiveness of sins. Okay? Jesus died, buried, and resurrected for the forgiveness of our sins. That's the first part. Okay? And by him, by him, Jesus, all that believe are justified. All that believe. There's no condition here except belief, right? Are justified from all things from which you cannot be justified by the law of Moses. So he makes it explicit and says, hey, understand that what the law of Moses couldn't justify you. But this Jesus is the one who's justifying you. He's forgiving your sins and he's making you right with God. Through this man is preached to you the forgiveness of sins. Okay? And that you can be justified from all things. All things. Every sin, every mistake, every failure, every lack, everything that you lack in this life, everything that you feel you've done wrong, you can be justified from all things. That means you can be made right with God through this man, Jesus. Because he died, buried, and resurrected. Okay? That is that is the point of the gospel. The gospel is that Jesus died, buried, and resurrected. But the benefit to you and I is that we have forgiveness of sins. Okay? We're forgiven of our sins. And then we have standing with God. For And anything that we think that we that, that is a reason why we can't have standing with God, anything that we think, we're justified from that. That means we're legally not obligated to pay that debt anymore. Legally. That means you're legally clear with God. You're good with God. God is on your side. God is for you. And God is 100% for you. Okay. But listen to what happens here. So beware, therefore, lest that come upon you, which is spoken of the prophets. Behold, ye despisers and wonder and perish. For I work a work in your days, a work which shall in no wise um, you, sh you shall no wise believe, though a man declare it to you. So he's saying that this is a prophetic. Is in the Old Testament it was written that there's going to be a work that God's going to do, and it's through Jesus, right? That they're going to declare to you, but you're not going to hear it. You're going to despise it. He says, don't become those people. And when the Jews were gone out of the synagogue, the Gentiles besought. Look at the Gentiles. That means us, non-Jews, right? Sought, besought that these words might be preached to them the next Sabbath. So there were Gentiles and Jews in the synagogue, both kinds of people that he was preaching to. So this was accessible to everybody. This wasn't just accessible to the Jews. Okay. So now he's saying here, they were so excited. The Gentiles were so excited about it. Guess why? Because when they were preaching the law of Moses, 
There's no hope for a Gentile. A Gentile's like, I can't do all that. I can't live up to all those standards. I can't live up to all those rules. So when they're, they hear Paul saying this, that we could be right with God, we could be justified from all things, guess what they were excited about? Having a relationship with God, period. They want to hear more. Hey, next Sabbath, come on, you know, teach us. And this is kind of where we get the concept of like teaching weekly, right? You can see it in the scripture here. Um, now, when the congregation was broken up, many of the Jews and religious proselytes followed Paul and Barnabas, who, speaking to them, persuaded them to continue in the grace of God. What do they call this? The grace of God. This is the grace of God. Forgiveness of sins, justification from all things. Forgiveness of sins, justification from all things. That if I believe all my sins are forgiven, and that if I believe I'm right with God because of what Jesus did on the cross, it is the power of God to salvation. That means I can be healed, protected, made whole, delivered from hell and from physical circumstances. That means I can trust God for well-being. That he's going to give me a good well-being. I'm going to be well in my life. Okay? And that's the grace of God. That's what the grace of God is. This is why it's so practical, but people think it's not practical. They want to teach the seven steps to a good marriage, the seven steps to a good parent, the seven steps, right? They want to teach seven steps to everything, right? The seven steps. And then when you don't do the seven steps, what do they say? It's based off your performance why you don't have it. It's based off your performance why you're not healed. It's based off your performance why you're not well. It's based off your performance. Oh, did you sin that day that you got into a car accident? That's probably why you got into a car accident. And this is how people think and talk. And they base it off your performance. They base it off how well you did and how right with God you thought you were. Right? So he says this. Um, and the next Sabbath day came and almost the whole city together heard the word of God. Okay? So the next Sabbath came and they taught it again. Okay? He taught probably the same message again because they wanted to hear more of the same message. Right? And then, but when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. So he spoke a message of no conditions, that if you just believe in Jesus, you're justified from all things. And people are like, well, here's, here's the thing. People, people are like, like, this is what they did to Paul. They thought he was preaching a message that gave license to sin. So you know you're preaching the right gospel, when people think you're preaching a license to sin, okay? People are going to think that you're giving a license to sin when you're obviously not, okay? And this is what they actually accused Paul of, okay? This is why they, Paul had an intense persecution that follows this sermon. He has an intense persecution. People don't like the grace of God because they want to know what they have to do. They come to church, they get baptized, now what do I do? Right? That's literally how we teach them. Now what do I do? Well, why, why are they asking that? Because we taught them somewhere along the line. It's about what you do. It's about what you do. Okay? But it was all because he preached the grace of God. No strings attached. No conditions. Just faith in Christ and him alone as the only means for me to get to heaven. Then he preached what as the gospel? Forgiveness of sins. Justification from all things. That's what he preached as the gospel. That's the application of the gospel in our life. Okay. Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection are what provided this, and we understand this to be the gospel. 
that through his death, through his burial, through his resurrection, we are forgiven of our sins and we are justified from all things. Okay, The gospel is the power of God to our healing, our eternal salvation of the soul, our safety, our protection, and our well-being. The gospel, the more we hear the gospel, the more we hear about Jesus and the forgiveness of sins and that we are right with God, right? That we have right standing with God. The more we hear about that, the more healing will flow into our lives. The more salvations will come, the more safety, the more protected, and the more well we become. The more secure you are in your salvation, the better off you'll be mentally and emotionally. There's no torture there. Even if you fail, you'll walk up and say, okay, God, thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your forgiveness. And you keep walking and you keep moving. It is in our best interest for the quality of our life on earth and for eternity to believe in the grace of God. It is in our best interest. You, you, how many of us want a, want a good life, a high quality life, right? We all do. If you want a high quality life, it's in our best interest to trust the grace of God. Because if it's based off you and what you deserve, then what? Then none of us have hope, right? So it is our justification before God that helps us in work. That helps us in our relationships, in our hobbies, in church, and in life. It is our justification before God that helps us. We struggle to have faith because we are law conscious. The Bible says in Romans 4.14, the law makes faith void, meaning we struggle to have faith because we are law conscious of what we have to do in order to receive from God in different areas of our life. So we'll be sick and we'll think, Okay, what level of righteousness do I have to achieve to get a healing, to get a miracle, to get a sign or a wonder? We think it's based off our performance, right? Here's a proof that we, we're, we're performance-based and law-conscious, okay? Is that when a miracle happens, we attribute it to the person. So if something powerful happens, someone's healed, then we say, oh, that's a powerful man of God. We literally are attributing that that worked because that person is a man of God. That that miracle happened because somehow they were more right with God than us. That God used them to do the miracle because they have a standing with God that is superior than us. When we all have the same standing with God, but we're all not aware of it. And it wasn't based on that person's standing with God that their own perception of their standing with God that made the miracle. It was based on the fact that Jesus died for their sins, right? And they had faith in Jesus that made that miracle happen. This is what makes all of us, and and these signs shall follow them that believe. They believe in what? Jesus. Just believe in miracles? No. Believe in Jesus as the only means of salvation and help, hope, right? Deliverance. So the law, the the more we become legalistic, like we start demanding from each other. We create demand environments where it's all about what you have to do. The more faith becomes void. That means people stop operating in faith. Why? Because they, they sin conscious. They're conscious of their failures. They're conscious of their mistakes. They're conscious of where they lack and where they struggle. So guess what happens? When they try to pray for a miracle, they think God will not come through. Because I have failed. I just lied. I just lusted. I just had a bad thought. I just thought a blasphemous thought against God. I just did this. I just did that. And they have these things in their mind that are think that are 
the reason why God is withholding blessing from them. And the only thing that's withholding a blessing is that mentality. And we're taught that from our past religious experiences. And our flesh thinks the very same way. No, make them earn it, right? This is how we this is how we talk, right? Make them work hard. And we get rugged and rough and we think somehow that we're doing something for people, right? No, give them a supply, teach them what they need to do, and see how they use what you've given them, right? If you want to teach grace in a, in a practical way, see how they use, come back to the baseboard and say, did you not see the supply that I gave you, right? Come back to the supply. Did you not see the supply? Did you not see how I, I set you up to succeed? Let's try it again, right? These are these. This is how we teach through grace. It's not this figure it out, right? This attitude of, of condemnation. And when they don't, oh, what a dummy, man! I knew, I knew, I knew you wouldn't have. I knew you wouldn't have made it, right? So, Revelations two eight says this. But the fearful and unbelieving and abominable murderers, whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters, and liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. So notice here how the first lining of people that are going to be in hell are the fearful. See, we don't even count fear and unbelief as sin. But did you know fear and unbelief are sin? Yes. But here it's saying that the first people in hell are going to be the fearful. Do you know why people do, you know why people do crazy things? Because they're afraid. Mm-hmm. Do you know why? Do you know why people are so arrogant and cocky in this life? Because they're insecure. It comes from a more vulnerable emotion, where they refuse the vulner, they refuse the vulnerability of feeling weak, and so they make them. They try to project themselves stronger, doing things to project themselves stronger. Yeah. Okay. But why? Why point that out? Why point that out? Because in John twenty nineteen, watch this. The same day at evening, being the first day of the week, when the doors were shut, where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. Notice the disciples are assembled for fear of the Jews. This is after Jesus resurrected, okay? Came Jesus and stood in the midst and said unto them, peace be unto you. So if fear limited you, if sin limited you from hearing from God or being blessed by God or God doing anything in your life, if fear limited you, Jesus would never have appeared to them. He would have had to wait till their fear dissipated. Then he could come. But how many know peace is for fear? So in the midst of our sin, in the midst of our failure, in the midst of our fear, in the middle of that, Jesus shows up in the middle of that, in the midst. He showed up right in the middle of our situations and he speaks peace because it's not based on us deserving it. This is the nature of Jesus. The price is already paid so he can show up while we're fearful. Okay. He can show up while we're in circumstances and situations. The religious has, religion has taught us that if we are in fear or in sin, that God doesn't talk to us. Oh, if I'm in sin, well, when are you not in sin? That's the first question. And then Cain, actually just finished murdering Abel before God spoke to him. If you didn't know that, God literally spoke to Abel, I mean Cain, after he murdered his brother. 
So being right with God is not a prerequisite to God. There's people who write books on this stuff. Seven steps to hearing from God. First, get all the sin out of your life. First, right? Well, how do you do that? Confess all your sin. Can you really confess all your sin? And if you forget some, what about those sins? No. This is why we're not into the confession of sin. There's one passage in the Bible that talks about confession of sins. And it's in the context of going from unbelieving in Jesus to believing in Jesus. Okay, the initial conversion of confessing what sin that I've rejected Jesus until this point, but now I'm receiving him. Okay, so in this context, you see Cain finished murdering Abel before he spoke to God. And my point is that we have when we have challenges in our life, he doesn't leave, but instead will walk with us. He will never leave or never forsake Hebrews 13, 5. In the middle of our mess, in the middle of our situation, in the middle of our failure, in the middle of our, our, our of our down and out and our depression, God is still right there with you. Not leaving you, not forsaking you, and, and legally. That means he's not there because he's just having pity on you. No, Jesus paid. So he has every right to be there with you while you're suffering, while you're going through what you're going through, while you're feeling what you're feeling. The more secure you become, the more manifestation of God that will happen in your life. The more secure we become in, in a group setting as a church, right? The more manifestation of God that will happen. There is amazing things happening here that we don't always see. Okay. Marriages restored, things getting healthier, emotions getting healthier, mental state of beings getting healthier, right? Because we become more secure in our walk with God. We stop worrying about, am I right with God? Am I right with God? No, you have standing with God because of Jesus and that alone. Amen? Amen. We, we're good. We're on the same page still? Okay. So it's, it's the kind of thinking that God, because of our struggles and failures, leaves us. 